Welcome to Married and Having Fun. We're your hosts, Kathy and JC. Kathy here. I'm 46. I've been married for 25 years to my main squeeze. I'm JC. I'm 33, married to an awesome pastor of six years. It's my second marriage. We have seven kids between our awesome families. On this podcast, we will share all of the ups, downs, and emotions around marriage and all the things in between. If you know what I mean. Sit back, laugh, cry, and enjoy. This is Mary and having fun. Welcome, welcome. Yes, welcome back. We are back and I am so excited. This is our 25th episode, Kathy. What? Yes. So excited. (laughs) I am so excited about this episode. Um, We are talking all things Enneagram test and marriage and just a lot of things today. And I'm super excited to have my good friends who are, I, I feel like I have to say this, even though it probably doesn't matter, but they are young clergy <laughs> and they're in a interracial marriage, which I love. And um, they are on fire for God. And I'm just like so blessed that they are my friends. Um, welcome to the show, Elizabeth and Jason Viegas. Yeah. Hey guys. They are Kathy's new friends. Um I got to meet them the other night and I am super super excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today cuz I love the Enneagram. I am. <laughs> I I I do too. Kathy, you introduced me to it. And yes. then um I think was it a year ago that we were at the beach? Mm-hmm. And we had a late night conversation about it. And so um, we just kind of regathered together, thanks to my awesome husband, who surprised me for our sixth anniversary. Yes. He gets major brownie points. Um, he rented out a movie theater and invited and surprised me, invited some of our friends and it was really cool. I was, I walked in and I saw you guys. I was like, what? <laughs> so it was great. So let's jump right into it. Since I did say that um, you guys are an interracial couple, do you want to tell us your ethnic background so people can get a visual? Um, I am Scottish, Irish, pretty, <laughs> um, pretty bland, uh, pretty white. <laughs> And my mom has uh, the same genetic makeup as Elizabeth. I look more she... like his mom than he does. Oh, yeah. That's really <laughs> funny. My mom calls Elizabeth her blonde daughter. And <laughs> my dad has the, the standard uh, Mexican makeup. He's about half indigenous. So, like, think uh, Aztec. And then the other half is, like, 10% Mexican. I mean, sorry, 10% African, 10%. Spanish, French, and some other things. So, um, yeah. got a little of this, a little of that. It comes out in the hair. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You have awesome hair. You came out oh, looking. Thanks. You came out looking a little bit Hawaiian. That's yeah, yeah. Now we're like, are you Hawaiian? 
he gets that or like uh, Middle Eastern. Um, yeah. He gets those a lot. You could play Jesus, you know, on a TV My show. Facial hair would grow. <laughs> you know, technically, I'm in an interracial marriage too. Oh, really? Tell yes, me about it. It's not Native American. Does that count? <laughs> it can count. We'll let it count. Yeah, He's 50%. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, your kids do tan very well, so. I just cannot be left out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how long have you guys been married? Just had our eighth anniversary, like, a month ago. Woohoo! I wasn't as good as he did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do all that. <laughs> well, we are in a pandemic, so, you know, you have to do what you can do. I'm calling my man before next year. We did start saving <laughs> this anniversary. We started saving for our 10 year in two years. Oh, nice. So, so that's like, that was the big moment. It was like, all right, we got to, we got to redo our budget because we have to take a big trip in two years. Nice. <laughs> yeah. See, there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of couples that take a big trip on their 10 year. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so both of you are actually pastors. Kathy had a question about that. Yeah, so you guys, I just found out I when I first met you, um, Jason, you're a Methodist pastor, right? And then I'm like listening to, I, I guess I walk up on JC and Elizabeth talking and she was saying she was a pastor and I thought she said Baptist. So like tonight before the show, I'm like, JC, did you say, did she say she was a pastor and at a Baptist church? So I want to hear about this. Like you're, you're both pastors for different denominations. Yeah, so Jason has been Methodist since he moved to North Carolina when he was 12. Um, And so going to Duke was a a natural fit for him. Uh, But we both went to a Baptist undergrad. um, And that's really where I came to faith was in college. And um, he was two years ahead of me. And so we got married the summer before his last year. And I graduated from my undergrad and had no clue what I wanted to do, but we were getting married. So I was like, I'm just gonna move to Durham with Jason uh, once we get married. And so we did that and I, you know, we lived right there at Duke and I never felt a call to ministry. Um, and I was like, that's that's Jason's thing, that's not my thing. Um, and then I, I kind of it, randomly fell across a visitation day for a dual degree at Campbell Divinity School, and, which is a Baptist school. Mm-hmm. And so I went there really to look at the, the master's in psychology, but the dual degree was with divinity. Um, and for whatever reason, while I was there, that's where I felt called to ministry. Wow. Um, was when I went to Campbell to look at their master of psychology program, but master of divinity just took me over. And I knew then that the Methodist church didn't have... Um, a connection with Campbell Divinity so that if I wanted to pursue ministry in the Methodist Church, there would be a lot more hoops for me to jump through, um, which was fine because I didn't really want to be ordained. But um, so I, I got my master's from Campbell, a Baptist school. I went to a Baptist undergrad. So already a lot of my connections were Baptist, but I still am very theologically Methodist to my core. <laughs> Um, and so I started working at a Baptist church and they were like, we know that like you believe a lot of Methodist stuff, but we believe in you. 
and we want to affirm your calling and we want to ordain you. Um, so it took about a year of me really praying about it and saying like, this is probably going to be my only opportunity to be ordained without jumping through a lot of hoops. And I feel God in this moment and these people in the church, they have been with me through this ministry. They've got their hands dirty with me. They've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I was like, okay, then I'll be ordained Baptist. <laughs> so I call myself denominationally promiscuous. <laughs> oh, that's great. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, how, let's jump into the Enneagram test. Um, how would you best describe, like if, if someone came to you and they said, what is it? I know nothing about it. Like, how would you guys best describe the Enneagram test? Well, um, there's, uh, there's two schools of, uh, Elizabeth and I um, are, or, well, there's probably more than two schools of thought, but uh, um, one of the schools of thought is that you enter the Enneagram through the, the um, test and, and it kind of tells you like where you fall, uh, like personality wise in these nine different types. So Ennea comes from the Latin word for nine. Um, but, um, but, but we also really think that it's, it's like a, a, a journey journey of self-discovery <laughs> like me raised evangelical uh fearing the inverted pentagram that it, it almost looks kind of satanic at first <laughs> but um really just learn it basically says that in the same way that there's nine or that there's like four primary colors relationally it says there's like nine different shades of personality and even within all of those nine different shades of personality that there's like a whole spectrum within each of them. So uh, if you hear people say, I'm a, I'm a, like, I'm a eight or I'm a nine or I'm a four, then that cor- correlates to different parts on the, like the personality wheel of the Enneagram. And um, it's thousands of years old and was kind of preserved in uh, some uh, some localities in South America and about 30 or 40 years ago, Catholic father named Richard Rohr kind of brought it back to popularity in the Western hemisphere. And now we're off to the races. <laughs> yeah. It's really popular. I feel like, yeah, it really is. So, um, this basically is a test for your personality to find out more about yourself. So, um, Nine different numbers. Um, tell us what you two are. What are so your I'm individual- a nine. I am the peacemaker. Um, and because there's only nine numbers, like I neighbor with an eight and a one. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's at the top of the, the gram. Um, so I'm a nine. And I am a four. Okay. And so what is that... What does a nine and a four mean? Explain a little bit more about nines. So we are by no means experts on this, but (laughs) um, a nine is a peacemaker. Um, At all costs, I will try to avoid conflict. Um, And that's kind of the core of a nine is to avoid conflict. And, but there are a few things that nines will go to conflict for, and that's kind of how you know where they stand on things. Like there's, 
social justice things. There's things about my kids that in a heartbeat, I will, I will argue with you about it, or I will fight for, for those rights or whatever it is. But about 90% of the time, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so nines have the least amount of energy of any of the numbers because we're always kind of calculating in our heads how to say things so that nothing bad is taken from it so that it doesn't create conflict. At the same time, we're assessing every situation that we're in to make sure there's not a conflict arising. In a very small nutshell, that's a nine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And what about a four? Uh, The four, there's a a couple of different schools of thought about um, what the names for the numbers are. But my favorite one about the four is uh, called the romantic. And so part of that is is that I I try to be um, romantic in the the traditional sense of the word, (laughs) mushy-gushy. But uh, another way of saying it is um, fours don't so much have emotions. Fours are their emotions. And so in, in a manner of speaking, I embody the emotions that I'm feeling and have a tendency to want to feel them to the extreme, whether good or bad. So you can imagine that can overflow into poetry or spoken word or um, uh, waxing eloquently or, you know, not so eloquently about different things. Uh, but the kind of core tendency of a four is to see what is left out. Uh, which can make which, which can make for beauty uh, because I'm thinking this beautiful thing is not here. It's always beyond my grasp. But also uh, there's a sense of melancholy that kind of can, can hang over a lot of things. Um, but like one uh, famous author said, melancholy is the happy of sadness. <laughs> and um, also each number sits within a, uh, a, a triad of three um, uh, and and the the triad that fours feel is is uh, is, is shame more more than any other kind wow of dominant emotion. But I'll, I'll sit there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I am a three. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because at first, you, when you first went out, you're like, I'm a three. Like, I know, so- and I was like reading it that's what the test came back as for me reading it I was really I didn't want to identify with that but the more I thought about it I was like this is me I am um the achiever um I like to organize things and make lists and check things off and Maybe have a side hustle yes all those things (laughs) and so and it really helps my personality to thrive. Um, I took the test last summer um, and really enjoyed knowing, like going into the pandemic, knowing what I needed to do for me to stay, like to keep my mind healthy and not like fall into depression. So it's actually knowing my Enneagram number has helped me to um, avoid depressive states and um be more clear with my emotions and things like that so and kathy you are a seven a seven yes <laughs> i'm the enthusiast i think you right? are yep seven enthusiast. <laughs> no they uh-huh. are <laughs> 
I'm the seven. I think we work well together because, like, you are like, yes, let's go, let's do this. And you're, you know, you're very creative and everything. And you are, like, run wild. And I'm like, okay, we need to do this, this, and this to get there. So. Um, so one conversation that we were having the other night was how much the Enneagram has helped you guys with communication in your marriage and like understanding each other. And so can you kind of give us some in-depth thought on that? Wait, before they start, I'm like so excited about this because for (laughs) one thing, I learned a long, long time ago, I had a neighbor, shout out to my old neighbor, my husband was in seminary. Christy Sharonberg, she introduced me to personality types. Mm. And I remember going somewhere and being like, hey, I think that person just didn't like me there. And she's like, mm. no, Kathy, they are introverted. They were overwhelmed. Mm. Da, da, da. So it just, I was like, oh, wow, wait. Like when you start to learn all mm. these things, it's not just for you. It really also helps you understand other people and to be gracious to other people and to just get I just that's what I love about it too even I mean I love of course loving reading about myself but the bigger picture was I uh, when I she opened my eyes so many and it, that was for like sanguine phlegmatic whatever whatever ones that was talking sure. for them but um so this is so exciting because in marriage I mean how cool is this and my husband's a four Oh, yeah. When he he learned the Enneagram, it was like, wow, I get it, (laughs) too, which was, it was awesome. And for him, he was like, wow, I get it. (laughs) So we got to dive right in because this is so great. Um, And we were kind of, we kind of jumped into the Enneagram at the beginning of this resurgence. Um, We've been working on our numbers for, what, three years three, four years now. Um, and we really believe you shouldn't pipe anyone else um, as much as you want to. And that I I don't use the Enneagram to try to change him. I use it to become my best self. Now, the Enneagram has helped me understand him, um, but we don't use it as a weapon against each other. Like, it's really easy to do that. Yes, it is. <laughs> um but we, we don't do that, and it's just, it's how we understand that person sees the world, and we can't change that. Um, that is how he is going to see the world. That is how I am going to see the world. But knowing that, how can I move forward in this relationship in changing yeah. myself? Not, I mean, not changing myself, but in knowing myself. Yes. Um, how can I move forward in this relationship and appreciate all that he is? Um, that's great. That's kind of how we've used it. And, uh, a lot of people are really opposed to things like astrology and and stuff like that. And a lot of people say, oh, Enneagram just sounds kind of like that. But one of the things that is unique about this, um, tool is that it, it can help you understand what some of your behavior will be if you're healthy or unhealthy, if Mm. you're stressed or if you're integrated. And when I read some of the literature on fours, it made me realize that 
I wasn't necessarily healthy in my relationship with Elizabeth helped me come to terms with some of my uh, meanness and <laughs> how um, at, as a child, I learned siblingisms as a way of communication, those cute little jabs that you take, the passive aggressive melodramatic things mm -hmm. you say to your sister or brother. But I also learned about Elizabeth that um, you know, different from other people, these little passive aggressive jabs hurt in, in a unique way that hurt our relationship a lot more than I realized at first. So learning how other people use their voices, um, learning, uh, for, for me, I've learned that Elizabeth's not going to yell at me like I've accustomed to with my family growing up, that if she says something in a still small voice, uh, it needs to be listened to just as much as, uh, and sometimes it feels like yelling to her, but it's just a normal tone of voice. So I've, uh, I've learned both myself and her and the directions we go at different times. Awesome. Um, you all were talking about a family vacation example, and I absolutely loved it. It resonated with me. Uh, Elizabeth, can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so we could, Jason's a four, um, he sees a lot of beauty, but he's always going to see what's missing or what's left out, which is a beautiful thing. The world needs people like that. Um, but we could be on a hike and we could have packed our lunch and gotten to the top of this mountain and had a picnic with all the kids overlooking this beautiful view. And it's just a glorious day. Great weather. No one's feet are getting blisters. No one's whining, whatever. Um, and then we make our way back down the mountain and like, Jason, wasn't that a great day? And he could come out of somewhere and say, well, yeah, but we could have packed a healthier lunch. <laughs> um, <laughs> or I mean, it could be any minute detail, um, that whatever was missing, he's going to see that. And whereas I used to take that as a jab to myself, like my planning didn't account for this great lunch. Um, and this is my fault. And I, I didn't do something correctly. Or I could take it out on him and say, Oh, my gosh, we just had a wonderful day. The kids just went on a hike. This is awesome. We just saw a bunch of mountains like what is wrong with you. And I could take that out on him. Um, but recognizing that what he sees is going to be what's left out doesn't take away from the beauty. Um, it doesn't take away from the wonderful times we had, but that's what, that's what he has to say. That's what he has to say first. That's how he sees the world is mm. this was like 90% perfect. And this is how, this is how we need to do something next time, um, to make it more all encompassing. Uh, cause I can easily just skirt through life doing the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, but Jason, Jason, isn't going to let me do that. He's going to point out. Uh, and it can be in parenting and it can be in just driving the car. It can be anything. And he's going to see what's left out and challenge me to be better. And it's not a negative um, thing. It's just a melancholy, like a, a sadness yeah. that he carries with him. That's completely healthy usually, but 
And and I will say also, um, a lot of fours have a strong desire for authenticity. Mm-hmm. So to be seen, to to feel unique. So there's a there's an impulsivity to uh, to say what you're feeling to like put it out there. And so as I've um, matured these past few years. I've had to learn to say to myself, I can hold my tongue. Um, I've had to learn to create space for Jason's emotions and not insert myself. Um, We were at the Y Christian Conference a few years ago and hearing some gut-wrenching testimonies, and it was just a really beautiful experience. But we were at closing worship, And Jason, like, gets into the fetal position on the floor, and he ends up with his head on on the seat of his chair, just boo-hooing. I mean, like, you couldn't see his face, but his shoulders were doing, like, the the cry thing. (laughs) And he's told me, like, when I'm in in that space, I'm okay, and I really just need to be in that space for a while. And so, like, all the people around me are looking at me like, is he okay? Is like, shouldn't you comfort him? Shouldn't you put your hand on him? And I'm like, he's fine. It's okay. He's a four. Um, he's okay. <laughs> but it was so uncomfortable for me as a nine who wants to stop conflict. Um, whenever he's very emotional, I want to be there and I want to intercept and I want to figure it out so that we don't have to keep going there. Um, and so that's been a challenge and a learning curve for me to know that his emotions don't necessarily have to do with me and I don't have to do anything with them if he doesn't ask. Um, You now have me wondering if I'm a wing four. So I do like your, hold on, before I go into this, let me just say that my wonderful husband has joined us. Everyone say hello, Ian. Hi, Ian. Hi. I was not invited the and by any other person than myself. <laughs> well, the Viegas are your friends too, so we're happy to have you. Thank you. Um, so one of the things that you all mentioned uh, on Friday night when we were um, together, you said that you don't, about testing, like you're kind of against like actually taking the test. Um, explain a little bit about that. So every time that I've taken the test, I've never ended up as a nine. Okay. Um, with the popularity, the recent popularity of the Enneagram, a bunch of people have kind of come out of the woodwork that claim to be experts or whatever. And with the popularity, it's also kind of become like a party trick. Like, yeah. oh, well, what's your number? What's your number? And then you move on. But the core of the Enneagram is really to challenge you and really to make you work. Um, and so we kind of follow Suzanne Stabile. She's a wonderful Enneagram teacher. She learned from um, Father Roar. Uh, and so her kind of, and she wrote a book with Ian Cron called The The Road Back to You. And in there it says, mm. like, there's not a test that can test your motives. And that's really what the Enneagram is. It's not, many other tests are testing your actions and what you do. But the Enneagram is about your motives. And so what it took for us was to go through each of the nine numbers and see what stuck out to us. 
and nines especially um because we merge with all the other numbers if i'm around jason i i kind of take on a few four traits if i'm around a six i take on a few of those traits because they're trying to stop conflict so Mm -hmm. i i need to get get some of what he has to be on the same page and so especially with a nine it's really hard to get a test because I identify with all the other numbers. Mm, that makes sense. Which means I am a nine, but the test will always put me in another number. Um, so whoever, whoever I'm around when I'm taking the test. <laughs> you like Jesus. What, why you shouldn't type people? Because people might be acting a certain way, but that might not be who they are on the inside. Exactly. Because uh, even me as a seven mom, I'm going to have things I do and responsibilities and stuff. You know, and maybe my seven isn't showing that day, but how I woke up, how I think, how I'm processing the information, how what I'm doing very much would line up with how, you know, the seven thinks and feels. But, you know, that's so that's that's one reason why they tell you not to do that, because it is not based on those actions. So we just encourage people to just research the nine types and see what sticks out to you and whichever one makes you the most uncomfortable. That's probably you. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, when reading the three, I was like, I'm really uncomfortable about this. But like, <laughs> it was, I, I didn't want to accept it. I, I'm, like, I'm telling you, she was like, I'm a three. Like, <laughs> she said it real short. And then that's good. One, one of our friends said, when I read the chapter on an eight, I felt like I needed to put a hoodie on. Oh. And I was like, that is the perfect description. I just feel so exposed. I just want to wear a hoodie and go to bed. <laughs> so what is the name of this book again? The Road Back to You. Um, that is the one that Suzanne Stabile wrote with Ian Cron. Um, and then Suzanne wrote another one called The Journey Between Us. And that is looking at relationships between two numbers. Um, there's not any two numbers that get along better than any other two well that's um, good to know so yeah yeah even if we can work it out number, i mean there's oh, okay. just different places you to work and so that's what that second book is about and i mean there's podcasts that she's done we really like her and ian cron is really good too ian cron i've heard him the enia app ah. so e-n-n-e-a-p-p and it has a good diagram of the numbers and gives you a, a short description and can kind of tell you just kind of shorthand of a lot of the things, but there's also a, what's the, the daily Enneagram thing? Any of thought. The any of thought. And, um, okay. you, whatever your number is, it sends you a thought. So like mine usually say something like, even though you want to present yourself as unique and let everyone know how unique you are, like try to, suppress that so you can be more empathetic towards others today or you know just a couple and it'll tell you which of the several different enneagram books that it's come from and something we haven't really been able to touch on is this is a deeply spiritual practice um and and the the things that we've mentioned are christian based and that's one of the critiques is that like i've seen people say it came from like which is because it looks like a pentagram, um, which it didn't, but it's actually like older. They've, they've seen evidence of this through biblical times. Hmm. Um, so it really like surpasses religion, but it's definitely not outside of religion. Um, so that's, it's, it's a huge part of the books too. 
So if someone is interested in where they stand, maybe where their partner stands, what would you guys suggest they do first? We started with the Road Back to You book. Okay. Um, it's re- it's a really easy book. It starts with eight and then goes nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, and it has, it has, you know, a, a spiritual aspect in the book for each number. It explains it very well, um, from what a wing means and what this means. Um, that's where we started. And then we started kind of listening to the podcast that goes with the book. Yeah. So personally, I would recommend if you can find it online, an old seminar that Father Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, did, and I believe it was entitled The Discernment of Spirits. It's probably 30 years old or so, but he goes through each of the different types and gives you examples of famous people or a country that kind of takes on the different characteristics, like France is a four country. They're emotional and like wine. And... Gotta love your French. We. Oui. Do you want to share your number with? Number. Oh, one. Um, what I do know, though, about it's very powerful about the Enneagram. Look at Kathy. Uh, is did y'all talk about Jesus? Like I think every single person in this world was created in the image of Jesus, and we all have special and beautiful characteristics of our lives and who we are and. You know, not one is more important than the other, but Jesus encompasses all of the characteristics in the Enneagram. So I just think that's so awesome. I mean, look at the people that Jesus related to, you know, the woman with hemorrhages, the woman uh, that was at the well, the uh, the centurion, the general. I mean, these are like different people and Christ connected with them all. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I always love that. So. I think I'm a one. One Enneagram conference that I went to, um, it was Suzanne Stabile, and she's a two. And she said, you know, a lot of people like to type Jesus as a two. And even though I am a two, I would love to say that. But really, the Enneagram is the face of God. Um, And there's a school of thought that says that there's the most sixes in the world. um, And that like 50% of the population is sixes. Wow. And Suzanne Stabile says that's because the world needs them. We need sixes in the world. Um, And so it it can be easy to get down on your number and feel shame about your number. But the truth of the matter is, if we didn't have ones, we wouldn't get to the moon. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have fours, we wouldn't have the beautiful poetry and maybe even the psalms that we have. I mean, like, there is a reason for every number, and it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I got us to the moon. You did not get us to the moon. <laughs> it also, it's also good to point out, too, numbers when, when we're in un- Do you guys, can you explore, too, when you're in an unhealthy place? Like, so during quarantine, the seven was laying in bed, not being whatever, thinking, oh, I'm probably not a seven anymore because <laughs> just lately I haven't been this person. And da-da-da-da. And I think I a seven goes to a different number and I think it's a one that's one of the things I I really like about the Enneagram versus the other personality test is like with Myers-Briggs it was like this is who you are and you're stuck there yeah Yeah. 
And with the Enneagram, it's like, this is who you are, but this is who you can be if you work hard and you want to be a healthy person. Or if if you see these qualities in yourself, that probably means that you're in an unhealthy space. Um, So when I'm healthy, I take on a few characteristics of a three. I don't completely move to a three. Um, But when I am in in a healthy place, then I start to get more organized and I get a little more energy. Uh, When I am in an unhealthy place, I move, I take on some qualities of a six and I get over anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's, it's more fluid. Like Jason was talking about the primary colors. Um, It's not a strict color, but there's a prism with a million different shades in between. Uh, so there's there's room for healing, there's room for growth, and there's things you can look out for when Jason's in an unhealthy space. I can kind of pick up on that, and I don't even have to call him out on it. I can just kind of let him work through it, and I can see the fruits of him working through it because I know the Enneagram and vice versa. Yeah, that's great. Ian has something to say. I was raising my hand for listeners <laughs> to see my beautiful hand. Um I've also learned when when we're in unhealthy places and probably at any time in your marriage, these are not good labels to just throw in someone's face. Like um, you're crying and drinking wine like a French foreman, you know? So it's like, (laughs) you're such a four. Like we should never use these as labels. I mean, those are probably not good for anyone to be married and having fun. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to quickly touch on is childhood trauma. I know for myself and maybe a lot of the listeners that we talk to day in and day out deal with the baggage and the weight of childhood trauma. Can you guys touch on that a little bit? One thought real quick on on trauma, especially in childhood wounds, the Enneagram most uh, most of the Enneagram scholars have done work that correlates each number to a different internalized childhood wound or message. So me, even though my parents were very close, my childhood wound was uh, was abandonment. And so if Elizabeth gets really mad at me, I'm automatically afraid that she's going to leave. And so I think it can, if, if you at least do that work, um, whether or not you can remember something that made that happen, uh, it, it can help you locate that childhood wound in some of your current fears or angers, frustration. Um, is there certain ones that go with a certain number? Yes. So I've heard other people talk about abandonment. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There's a, and I can't remember the official lingo for it, but there is one childhood message that you needed to hear that you did not hear. Mm. And there's one childhood message that you did hear that you didn't need to hear. Um, wow. And so for nines, a lot of that has to do with voice and that my voice, I don't believe my voice really matters and that my presence doesn't really matter. Um, that is kind of the childhood wound of a nine. And, um, you know, two people can go through the same childhood and come out as different numbers. It's just how you've internalized it. Um, but for Jason, that in our marriage, that's had to mean that if I say something in a whisper, it needs to be taken seriously. And, you know, I said 90% of the time I'm going to avoid conflict. But if I use my voice and I am confronting something, then that's huge. Even if it looks like to someone else just a normal day. Um, 
if I'm actually using my voice, then it is something I believe in firmly. Um, it's been said of nines that we don't often make decisions, but when we do, they're not bad decisions. <laughs> so like if I'm putting my foot down about something, then I've, I've probably done a fair amount of research on it and, and I believe in it wholly and he needs to approach that situation if he disagrees with a lot of grace and just treat it very gently. How, how, yeah. what, what's a good resource to find out that with that? All of that is in the same book. Wow. Oh, it, okay. Mm -hmm. And the, which one? The, the road back, the road back to you. And in the Richard Rohr uh, talks, um, he mentions at the end of each one, which is like uh, 40 minutes each. Um, the, the quickest way is probably to go to the Enneagram Institute website. Um, it's just each number kind of shorthand. Um, but uh, you can quickly look up, like, oh, what's the childhood wound of a six? Okay. And I'll say, if, if you need something quick and you need to get through the numbers, um, the Literagist podcast had Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron on their podcast, and they do a podcast very quickly going through the numbers. And I would say that would be the quickest way to get through the numbers. Well, I'm excited. Uh to uh, you guys have given us lots of uh, resources and pause to think um, and things to identify with. So I feel like their marriage is just so strong because they're so informed on how each other operates. I, don't, I think that um, <laughs> it helps to, yeah, you're working it out and you have the resources and the tools. And sometimes that is what your marriage needs. Like just the tool to stop and understand each other. Um, For us, it was the language. Like the Enneagram told me things I already knew about myself, but I, I couldn't have vocalized it. Mm -hmm. And so now I can be like, Jason, I'm merging with you. And he knows what that means. And we move through it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, I... I, like, I feel like our relationships are a really strong place, especially coming through a lot of really painful stuff in the in the uh, pandemic and the quarantine. But, like, honestly, I don't know if we would be in the same house right now if we hadn't discovered the Enneagram several years ago. Well, what if TikTok was available? <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good tool there for a little while. <laughs> We can either sit here and nitpick what we did all day, or we can make a talk. Oh, man. The overalls and the rompers is just forever ingrained we, in I head. think that it might be great to share your uh, uh, flip the switch video with our listeners during the week that we share your episode. Only if you show yours first. Um, well, I want to thank you all for coming in on the show and opening up. Um, I would like to end with Jason's thought on sex. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, anything in particular? Your philosophy, I think. is The, the philosophy about. that you were sharing with us the other night. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my, um, my philosophy. Oh, my God. Yeah, my philosophy on sex is also my uh, philosophy that I try to have in life, and that is Elizabeth comes first. Yeah! And I will say, I will say this. There was, uh, I heard some some old, um, a couple of different Jewish, uh, Orthodox Jewish hmm. uh, sexual schools of thought, and the first one that I heard was, um, 
that you should try to have sex twice uh, twice on the Sabbath. Uh, and then I heard a, a further explication of that, um, that really it w- that the, um, the, the origin of that was not just to have sex twice on the Sabbath, but that the man needs to please uh, his wife twice on the Sabbath. Doesn't say anything. It doesn't say anything about the man, uh, but and I mean, you know, I'm not Jewish. Uh, like, I mean, I know you were adopted in. You were grafted in. Yes, yes, we've been grafted into that covenant. But, but also, I think you know, it's ju- just the way that God has has created us, um, uh, and anatomically, I think that to me um, makes. Make, makes a lot of sense. Um, so I would challenge all, all the men out there who are married to, um, you know, to, to, to work hard to make sure that um, that you, you put your wife first. Yes. Have your wife come first. Into <laughs> and I would like to add that the Sabbath starts on Friday evening. Yes. And I believe goes until Saturday. Saturday sundown. Right? Saturday sundown, yeah. So you got a lot of time in there. Yeah. <laughs> Shabbat shalom. Kathy's <laughs> dying. And something else I've learned, you know, just in, in that sex is so much more than just like the the act that um, we, uh, when, when the sun goes down, that, that Jewish understanding is that the day starts when the next day starts the night before. So like as soon as the sun goes down on Friday night, you are that's how you however you, you leave that night, whether you and your partner are happy or whether y'all are fighting, that's setting the tone for the entire next day. Mm. And so like if if I hope to be um, you know, intimate in conversation or you know, physically intimate on on Saturday night, I need to start being you know, charitable and friendly and compassionate and loving on Friday night because really Saturday starts on Friday night. So uh, yeah. and I've, like that, that has rung true in my life, but I'll shut up. It's <laughs> great. It's good. So no, good. we love it. We love it. Thank you yeah. for that. Um, those pearls of wisdom there. Um, so we always close out the show in prayer, um, just praying for the listeners and um, couples and and giving thanks. Um, Elizabeth, would you like to close us out in prayer? Absolutely. Wait, we usually end in a quote too. Oh well, Jason, he, I'm using his quote. <laughs> Please, your wife on the Sabbath twice. Don't say that like that doesn't happen. <laughs> That's the quote. <laughs> on but the Sabbath, the way you said it. Please, your wife on the on the Sabbath twice. 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 <laughs> right now we can pray. All right. Yeah. Let us. Lord God, we thank you for this space that has been created through years of technology and innovation which would have never been possible without the many different types of humans that have been created lord god thank you for all that we have been given and for all that we may be able to give Mm. for the marriages for the singleness for all that that 
hear this. Lord God, we thank you for that person made uniquely in your image. Yes. With a humble and grateful heart that I am just so thankful to have this space to talk, to talk about sexuality, Mm -hmm. to talk about relationships, mending, healing. And I am just thankful that you have given tools to all of us Mm -hmm. to become the best created being that you made within our mother's wombs. Mm. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you liked today's episode, hit the like and subscribe button. You can find us on Instagram at Married and Having Fun. We'll be sharing cute photos of our husbands and all the things about marriage. Till next time, keep having fun.